Church, our availability to God in the midst of a season of chaos and uncertainty opens the door to a brand new reality. And that song has become our prayer in 2020, that we don't wanna let the circumstances of our lives define our availability to God, that our stance in life is God, sickness, health, prosperity, poverty. I'm available, Jesus, because at the end of the day, things going my way is not the altar that I worship at. Jesus is the one who I worship. And you actually have an opportunity in 2020 to see more of him the more that you make yourself available. I believe that. I was talking to somebody this week who said, I just love tuning in online to what God is doing through ACC because you guys talk about 2020 differently. It's like everywhere else, 2020 is like the worst thing that ever happened. But when we talk about 2020, we talk about it like an opportunity. Because where pain rises, where difficulty rises, where death rises, that is when the glory of God shines the brightest because Jesus is the only one who can offer you hope and life and purpose and satisfaction in the midst of that. Man, it's a good day to be in church. I needed the songs that we're lifting up in this moment, and I hope and pray that you did too. You can have a seat right where you are if you're standing up worshiping with us. It's so cool to hear the different stories of watch parties and families coming together all over the place to tune into our online gathering. We love when you are intentional with these moments. We do not want this to be a video that you hit play on and go, okay, we did church today. If you need to stop and have a conversation in the room that you're in, if you need to stop and pray, if somebody's having a moment, this is the beauty of this season is that you have the freedom to do that. You also have the freedom to share this gathering with as many people as you want because like I've said before, it's never been easier to invite someone to church. So if you want to, even right now, Share this gathering with someone, send the link and tell them, hey, God's gonna speak something powerful to you today. I'm praying for you today. It's so simple and such an incredible season for that. We sing songs about being available to God, but one of the main ways we demonstrate our availability is in what we decide to do with our finances. Generosity is the most incredible picture of telling God that you are available. And so I just wanna say, this isn't even a call to give to Auburn Community Church. Yes, we do bringing time every week and we invite you to give, but I just wanna invite you to be generous to the local church that you call home. And as you're doing that, you need to understand you're doing more than supporting a ministry or giving toward a budget. What you're doing is you are showing to heaven, God, I'm available, you can use me. What you have given to me, you can trust me with it because I'm gonna bring it right back to you and bless somebody else. This is our bringing time. You can give on Venmo, you can give online, you can send checks to 323 Airport Road, Sweet O, and again, continually blown away by how God has provided in such an uncertain season. And it's crazy to say this, but even though we're seeing so much pain and we're seeing so much division and we're praying toward change and we wanna be a part of that, we're also celebrating the faithfulness of God in so many different areas of our church. One of those is in our community groups. I told you guys last week, you know, sign up for a community group. We're headed into our fall community groups. Here's what I did not know. I did not know that in the last month, 550 people have signed up to be a part of a community group. That's a big deal. I also did not know that that's on top of the 2,000 people who were already engaged in active community. And let me just, I'm clapping. I got a headset now, Mike. I can. 
called you Mike. Matt, I got a headset, Mike, Matt. I can celebrate with my hands. This is just like a pivot that I'm running with. It's a new season. Let me tell you this, that gets us as your leadership so much more excited than your attendance at a service because when we know you're in a community group and you're doing life with real people, I called you Mike and I'm never gonna forget that. You're doing life with real people. That's where life change happens. That's where God does something so deep. And so you still have time to sign up, but here's the announcement that I wanna make. You're like, you already passed the deadline. We will never have a deadline on getting you involved in community. We will get you involved in community. But here's the announcement I wanna make. If over 2,500 people in our church are involved in active community, where do you think the biggest need in our church is right now? for people to facilitate community groups and actually lead the way in discipleship. Somebody on our staff is literally yelling out, we need facilitators. Here's the truth. At ACC, this verse is very true. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We have a lot of people who wanna grow in their faith. We got a lot of community groups who wanna come together. And we have very, very few volunteers who are available saying, okay, my home's available. I might not even know how to lead a group or grow them in their faith yet, but I wanna learn how, but I can at least provide a meal and provide a space for people to meet. Our need in that area could not be higher. So go to our website, click on the picture that says serve a community group and sign up to be a part of that. On top of being excited about community, I'm also excited to tell you that we have our baptism gathering coming up on Sunday, September 27th. And right now, as we speak, there are over 40 people signed up to be baptized, which is so special. Here's what I wanna tell you. This moment, this is a real deadline. You do need to sign up to get baptized today. Even if you're not sure if that's the right thing for you, we'll walk you through the process, but today is the last day to sign up for that. And I know a lot of you are planning to come in from out of town on September 27th. I wanna tell you tentatively, our plan is to have two different gatherings on our land that day at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. So plan to spend the whole day in Auburn. It'll be a great time for those of you who have been out of town for a while. 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. We cannot wait to see God move through those gatherings. This Fresh Wind series has been literally a fresh wind for our church, and I cannot wait to bring the Word of God today on top of the worship that we've already lifted up in this place. Here's what I wanna ask. I wanna ask that as I pray in the room that you're in, or even for all of y'all in the seat that you're in, don't just watch me pray actually demonstrate availability to God. Maybe it's just turning your hands toward heaven and going, God, I am in a position to receive whatever you have to say to me today. I believe God's gonna do something powerful. Come on, would you bow your head? Would you pray with me in this moment? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to lift up these songs. Thank you for the opportunity to demonstrate our availability to you. I pray in Jesus' name that it would not simply be a song in a moment, but it would be the posture of our hearts and lives. God, we're so grateful that you've been moving the past few weeks through these gatherings and through this series. But God, I pray you say something brand new. I pray you say something so specific to a mom, to a daughter, to somebody who's in a season where they're wondering what their next step is. God, would you give them that word right here and right now through your spirit. Help me to be obedient to exactly what you wanna say, God. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. ACC Worship, big week for ACC Worship. Dropped a new single, Heart of the Father, that's available on Spotify and iTunes. Matt Cole and his team put that song together. And it's just a beautiful picture of the heartbeat of our church, that our God is a relational heavenly father. So if you haven't checked out that song, you definitely want to do that. 
This is easily going to go down, this series is easily going to go down as one of my favorites of all time. And it's so weird that I would say that when we're filming a gathering and posting it online every week, but the spiritual momentum of what God is doing through this series, Fresh Wind, has astounded me. It's been astounding to see how many people needed clarity about who the Holy Spirit of God is, because the Spirit of God is more than this strange power off away somewhere, this ghost that we don't really know a lot about. The Bible is actually very clear that the Holy Spirit is a he with a very real purpose in our lives, and that word spirit in the Bible is translated breath. And we're believing that the breath of God is going to fill us from the inside out. There's a new wind rising in our church. Sadie Robertson Huff brought a word from heaven last Sunday and would highly encourage you to check out that gathering. Check out the entire series because I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those series that goes down as one that we look back on as an anchor moving forward together as a church. I knew going into this series that there were certain passages I was going to hit on on the Holy Spirit. And I knew this one topic needed to be talked about, and it's like God held it until this moment for me to give this message. And it's about freedom in Christ. I want to preach a message today in light of the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where the spirit of God shows up, there is a freedom from every chain that is binding you, from everything that's holding you back from a right relationship with God, from everything today that you feel on the inside of you just holds you down and keeps you from the life Jesus died and rose for you to live. And so I want to give you my title from the very beginning. Here it is. If you're a note taker, Fresh Wind Part 3 is going to be called Free to Live, Free to Love. Free to live, free to love. Could you look at somebody next to you and say, you're free to live. You are free to live. And look at the person you just ignored for whatever reason and say, you're free to love. You're free to love. I want to preach this message today because more often than not, when you talk to a follower of Jesus who claims to believe Jesus died and rose again, who wants to live their life for the glory of God, when you talk to them about their daily life, there's a level of slavery and bondage that never seems to go away for the vast majority of Christians, which runs completely contrary to the freedom that we all claim that we have in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You talk to a Christian long enough and they get real enough with you, some level of bondage will usually start to come forth when you get honest about conversations. And those of you who grew up in church, especially the guys, you know exactly what this is like. When you're in middle school and high school and you go to your small group every week, you sit in a circle and everybody kind of goes, what are you struggling with? Yeah, I'm struggling with my quiet time and I just need to pray more and I just need to, and everybody kind of passes it to the next person. But then there's this moment that usually happens at a retreat or at youth camp where where one guy decides to go, no, I am in bondage, I am enslaved to this. And as soon as that one guy says it, the whole circle goes, me too, me too. Everybody all of a sudden, just takes one person being honest and real enough to go, hey, this is what I'm really struggling with. And all of a sudden, everybody turns their spiritual hands in and goes, I'm in bondage too. And it's not always the same issue, and it's not always the same issue in the same season for everybody, but when you go deep with believers in Jesus, I think there's this level of freedom that we claim when we say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we talk about, I've been set free, I've been set free. We sing all these songs, but we also live these lives that claim, the freedom's not that real because I'm still in bondage. I still text him when I get lonely. I still go back to that website. I still go back to that habit. I still turn to this. And over and over and over again, 
again, a sense of level of frustration in the lives of Christians. It's like, is the freedom that is claimed in the scriptures actually mine today by the power of the Holy Spirit, or do I have to wait to get to heaven? And there's a level of the battle that will always exist in the here and now before we are there and in our resurrected body set free forever in heaven. But my Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the Bible also says that the spirit comes to give life to your mortal bodies. There's freedom available for you today. There's a new level of experiencing Jesus that's not the result of everything that you've done so far in your life that is waiting on the other side of faith. And I just want to tell you the truth from the word of God that the freedom that is claimed by Jesus followers is not something theoretical. And it's not something that's overly hyped through sermons and songs that's not actually tasted by real people. It's something that when you let the word of God speak to your situation today can actually be yours. And I hate this because even as I say that, I know 90% of you listening, you don't believe it. You're like, yeah, it's, it's true for some people. It's true for the special Christians. It's true for people who really take this book and apply it to their lives. But I've been far gone for too long, and I've been stuck in the same thing for almost a decade. Freedom is not really an option for me. Here's what I believe. I don't believe that there's something super special about the way I'm delivering this or some kind of fact that I'm going to open your eyes to, and you're going to go, oh, wow, that's what I've been missing. That's what too many of you have been looking for for far too long. We're not believing the basics about what Jesus claimed. Jesus claimed to have resurrection power. Jesus said anyone who comes has access to the living water of the Holy Spirit. And so what I believe today is if we actually believe the basics about the fact that this book tells us the truth about who God is, and when we by faith apply this book to our lives, supernatural things happen. So this is real. We're not messing around at church today. We're not doing a series about the Holy Spirit that's just some cool verses and a cool backdrop, which is unbelievable, by the way. Reed Smith on our creative team creates the most incredible backgrounds to our sermon series, and I absolutely love it. But here's what I do want to say. Freedom cannot come on the other side of a sermon. It has to come on the other side of the Word of God. And at ACC, you know, every week we do the Bible drill and we hold our Bibles up, and that's fun, and it's cool to talk about but I didn't know that God was going to allow that to be a symbol for what our church is all about. We believe where this book is rightly preached and rightly understood and rightly applied, God does significant special things. There's power in these pages, not in the words themselves, but in their ability to transform your life from the inside out. And so as I tell you where we're going to be going in the word of God, no, this is not just a book that we are studying. This is the key to understanding who Jesus is and walking in new life. You ready? If you have your Bible, hold it up. Hold it up all over this place. Hold it up. Hold it up. Sparse Bible attendance. Love it. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5? Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. This is one of my favorite books of the New Testament because Paul writes in this letter like a madman. If you want to see Paul fired up about something, read Galatians. The church in Galatia that he founded was doing well, and then all of a sudden there were these false teachers called Judaizers who came in and started talking to the church that he founded and telling them, hey, listen, Jesus is awesome. What Jesus did for you is amazing, but listen, you got to combine Jesus with all these rules and laws and restrictions from the Old Testament, and then you are saved. So they were taking things like grace and things like faith and things like Christ and adding to them. 
and going, yeah, believing in Jesus is part of salvation, but you also need to make sure the males are circumcised. You also need to make sure that you're not eating this. You also need to make sure that you're observing these festivals and make sure that you're, you're absorbing all of these Jewish laws. And Paul writes Galatians, and he is like, I, he doesn't even waste any time. If you read Galatians 1, he says, I am astonished. The word is literally translated dumbfounded. He's like, can't believe that you would leave behind the gospel I preached for another gospel that isn't even really the gospel at all. And what he does over the course of these five chapters is he unveils what true freedom in Christ looks like. If you read Galatians 5, it's all about freedom in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free from having to follow any rules to know God. He has set us free to walk in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's amazing over and over and over again. And there's this hinge point that happens in verse 13. Now, here's what's cool. If you have your Bible open, Paul gets so fired up in verse 12 that he drops a verse that's not even appropriate for me to read in church today. And I just want to give you that bonus if you are holding your Bible, because if you don't have your Bible right now, you're like, oh, I really want to see what's in verse 12. Verse 12 is amazing. Essentially, what Paul does is he says, okay, those people who are teaching you that you need to be circumcised, here's what I want you to do. I want them to take the knife that they want to circumcise, and I want them to do something with it. That's what he says in verse 12. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's intense. Hey, don't get mad at me. Don't be like, oh, that's super inappropriate. Nope. Biblical, biblical, here we go. We're gonna go Galatians chapter five, verse 13. If you're there, say I'm there. Come on, let's read a bunch of verses of scripture. You guys love the word of God? Are you fired up to be in church today? It's gonna be so good. Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Somebody say free. free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you, do, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And the Bible's so good. Man, there's just so much that could be said from that passage, and I want to go back to the very beginning. Go back to verse 13 where he says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, the entire letter, Paul has been trying to transition the Galatians from thinking about God as someone who wants them to follow rules in order to attain salvation to God as a relational heavenly father who's done it all through Christ Jesus and invites us in. 
So what he's doing is he's fighting against this mentality called legalism. And he's saying, listen, there is no amount of rule following, there is no amount of addition or subtraction that you need to do to the gospel message that Jesus died to save sinners. It is all that you need. It is sufficient right where it is. But then in this verse, he flips and he says, listen, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So he flips from preaching against legalism to preaching against lawlessness. And he says, Jesus has set you free from having to follow rules, but he didn't set you free from following rules so that you could spend your whole life breaking rules. He set you free from following rules so you could spend your whole life serving people. It, what, what God was doing was changing your priority from do this, don't do that, to love them. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And I bring that up right after reading that long passage of scripture because as your pastor, for many of you who call this church home, most of what I do on a weekly basis is try to talk many of you out of legalism and lawlessness. So if you wanna write down that first word, write down legalism, legalism. This was a primary pillar of why Auburn Community Church started in Auburn, Alabama in the middle of the Bible Belt. Most of the stories that you hear on a baptism Sunday have to do with people who were awakened to the fact that God is not an angry dictator in the sky waiting for us to follow the Ten Commandments. God is a relational Heavenly Father inviting us into his family. It's very different. And so we just hear story after story of people going, wow, I've, sit, I've sat in church my whole life and I just thought it was about the rules. I just thought it was about going to church. I just thought it was about doing enough or not doing this. Or if I just did the basic things that made me look like a Christian, then boom, I would look like that to the rest of the world and maybe fool myself in the process. That's slavery. And I watch people every single week at our church get delivered from that and go, wait a minute. This is not my duty to go to church. It's not that I have this regulation over my life that I have to keep, but I actually have this freedom to live in a family and be called a new name and be given a new identity. Yes, yes, yes. And we will never stop preaching that message that Jesus wins. He's everything that you need. It's not about the rules. It's all about a relationship. Thank you, God, that you are who the scriptures say that you are, not who a lot of us assume that you were or who our parents taught us you were or maybe the church we grew up in taught us you were. Thank you that we get to read our own Bibles and discover you're better than we thought. It's amazing. So half the time, I talk to people and it's like, I gotta talk them out of legalism. I gotta help them to see the Bible through a new lens. But increasingly, over the course of six years, I've felt this shift to where so often that was the problem, and now more often than not, it's not legalism that's the problem, it's lawlessness. You can write down that word, second L, lawlessness. And I've seen this over and over and over again, especially among our younger generation in our church. It's where you've, you've tasted who God is. Maybe you've worshiped God in a passionate way, and you've heard about how good the grace of God is, but then, even without even noticing it, you start abusing the grace of God. See, if legalism makes grace conditional, lawlessness makes grace cheap. And people who live in such a way to go, oh my gosh, if God's gonna forgive me, it doesn't matter who I date. It doesn't matter what app I have on my phone. It doesn't matter how I talk to people. It doesn't matter at the end of the day because at the end of the day, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and God's gonna forgive me because God loves me and God's my dad. God does love you. God is your heavenly father, but I just want to warn you, if you think like that, you are more lost than the people who are trapped in legalism. 
Because you're not just enslaved to a set of rules and restrictions, you're enslaved to your own desires that rule you from within. Lawlessness is not freedom. Doing whatever you want is not freedom. Living under the authority of a holy God is ultimate freedom. And you need to know today, church, having the grace of God become a license to do whatever you want is the fruit of someone who's not actually a Christian. And I love you enough to not skip over some of the verses that we read. Don't you hate it when people read verses like the one I just read and just skip over the parts that go, I don't really know how to explain that away. I don't really know how to talk about that. No, it literally talks about the acts of the flesh. And then it says, I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's not saying those who still struggle with these sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying whoever makes a habit of continuing to live in the things that Jesus saved them from, they're not actually saved. So I never want ACC to be a place where we give you false assurance about your salvation. I want to give you full assurance. You've been saved by grace, through faith, in Jesus, from the scriptures. The truth is there, all for the glory of God. I want to cement that in your soul. I'm not trying to shake you up and make you scared today, but I'm just trying to say in this moment, true freedom is never going to be found trying to follow rules or trying to break them. True freedom is found when you drop both of these worldviews. So here's what Paul says in Galatians. This is so cool. He says, listen, listen, I don't want you to learn how to find the middle ground between legalism and lawlessness. It's not like, okay, we need some rule following and we need some rule breaking and let's find a middle ground. That's not what Paul wants you to do. He wants you to take both of those things, both of those L's, literally, and drop them. And he doesn't want you to just drop them. He wants you to pick up two new L's. What are they? You have been given the freedom to live and the freedom to love. And so instead of trying to follow rules and instead of struggling with breaking rules, you can trade in that whole way of thinking about your relationship with God. And now I've been free to live on purpose with meaning and I've been free to love God and love people for the rest of my life. Oh man, being a Christian is so awesome. Following Jesus is so much better than every other option you have for your life. And Paul's trying to wake them up to go, you don't have to be trapped going back and forth between two enslaving options. You can be set free today. And you can be set free when you discover true freedom. See, Christian freedom is summed up in this. You get to love and serve God, and you get to love and serve people. When Jesus took the whole law and summarized it by saying, here's the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was literally just mind-blowing how Jesus can take all of the Jewish law and go, listen, let me just sum it up and make freedom really available to you. Love God with everything you have and spend your life as a living offering for other people to know him as well. That's it. Like, how freeing is that? How amazing is that? And actually, Paul, what he's doing in Galatians 5 is he's trying to tell us how that happens because here's the bad news about what Jesus said. If you try to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself without the Holy Spirit of God, you will fail miserably. But when you've been given this new wind, you've been given the breath of God on the inside of you spiritually, now you actually have the ability to fulfill the ultimate law, which is loving God and loving people and the only way a Christian is called to live in true freedom. Let me read this, verse 16. This is so good. Paul says, so I say... This is like a moment when you're preaching a sermon to go, hey, here's what I'm trying to get to. You know how I have that moment where I'm like, hey, look up here. That's what Paul's doing in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. This is huge. Paul says, the only way to escape the slavery of following after the desires of your flesh is to fulfill the desires of the spirit. That's what it means to walk by the spirit. And what Paul is saying is this competition on the inside of your soul between who you used to be and who you are now in Christ. Remember, in redemptive history, this is a very important seminary term for you to understand. It's called the already but not yet. It means you're already saved, but you're actually being saved. It means you're already in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom is still coming. It means that you are saved in your body as you stand here today, but sin still affects you. There will be a day where it doesn't, but when you're in this battle, here's how the battle is won. Walk by the Spirit. You give the Spirit of God what the Spirit of God truly desires, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen, I know there's some of you who, even as I say it, you don't believe it. There's some of you so trapped in the slavery of addictions and habits that have held you captive for so many years that you're like, I've heard this. It's the Word of God. It's true. If you walk by the Spirit, you do not have to live your life gratifying the desires of the flesh. And before you tune out, and before you maybe for some of you, you turn this off, I just want you to know the stakes are very high for whether or not you're listening to what I'm saying today. I want to read you something. If you have your Bible still open, go down to chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. These are some of the first verses in the Bible I ever memorized. Here's what Paul says later. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. There is no human being on earth who can live a life to mock God and sow disobedience and reap life from that. God's law on our lives still holds true. Now, here's the thing. Grace is available, but grace will not deliver you from the consequences of habitual choices over time. God will give you the grace to walk through those consequences, but I'm trying to save you from that bondage. I'm trying to save you from spending the rest of your life enslaved to things that you could be freed from today. And Paul's ultimate motivation is this. If you sow to please your flesh, meaning what? If you make it your ambition on a daily basis to get what you want, to do things the way you want to do them, to pursue Pursue the end of your desires. Here's what you will get on the other side of sowing that destruction. Doing what you and I want to do and living to have our own desires, please, will always reap a harvest called death. No one can defy this. But on the other side of that, Paul says, oh man, if you give the spirit what he desires, it's harder in the moment, but the pleasure lasts much longer in the long run because you will reap eternal life. Let me say this loud and clear. Sin always looks more appealing in the moment, but the righteousness of obedience gives a joy in a pleasure that lasts much longer, namely for an eternity. I'm not trying to get in front of you today and present a version of following Jesus that's just not fun and something we have to do. I'm trying to present something to you that is the true joy and meaning of our lives. If you've been looking for joy and happiness in all the wrong places, if you've gotten some of your desires fulfilled and woken up the next morning and said, that didn't work to fulfill the void that I thought I was filling, you need to know this, it was a lie. Every single time you please the flesh and you give in to those desires, on the other side of it is brokenness, it's emptiness. But every single time you sow to please the Spirit, on the other side is life and life to the full. 
Now, here's the problem. Everybody look up at me. Don't miss this because I, I feel like that this one's going to go really deep for some people. The problem is most of us read this passage and then especially those of us who are organized, Enneagram ones and threes included on this, what we do is we make a list of the list that Paul gave us and we try not to do some things and try to do other things. So if you didn't notice the list, it's in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 26. And Paul says, listen, the acts of the flesh are obvious. You got sexual immorality, you got envy, you got impurity, you got debauchery, you got drunkenness. I mean, you got all these things that are the acts of the flesh. And then on top of that, he gives what's called the fruit of the spirit. I want you to notice it's not the fruits of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit because they all grow together as one as the Holy Spirit makes you into the image of Christ over time. And then you got love and patience and joy and kindness and gentleness. And so for a lot of us who are really tactical, we make this list and we go, okay, don't do this, do this. And we constantly try to go, oh, it's, it's, it's not that, it's, it's more patience, it's not that, it's more love, it's more joy. But we actually turn following Jesus into a system instead of seeing what God wants us to see following Jesus as a savior. Jesus died and rose to save you from having to live your whole life looking at lists and making sure you check every box. Jesus died and rose again to give you simplicity. And so the, while these lists help us identify what's darkness and what's light, here's the thing. Verse 13 already told you everything you need to know about getting set free from living according to the desires of your flesh. This is so beautiful. And if you haven't been tuning in so far, you need to tune into this. This is the ultimate key. You don't have to spend your whole life going, no, 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 yes, 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 yes. It's just one yes. You ready? Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is amazing. Paul says, the freedom that God gave you is the freedom to spend your life serving other people. In other words, following Jesus is not about denying desire. Following Jesus is about feasting on the ultimate desires of your heart, which are called the pleasures of God. What does God take pleasure in? Saving people people worshiping, people coming to know the fullness of life they've been given. Here's what I'm saying. Don't spend your life following Jesus trying to do these things and not these things. Spend your life following Jesus trying to love and serve God with everything you got, trying to love and serve people humbly, and you know what'll happen? A fire will grow on the inside of your life that will engulf the very desires that have taken you captive for so long. In other words, don't go home alone and go, okay, here's my sin I have to fight. Go home alone wondering, did I structure my day today in a way that says my life doesn't exist for me? Because here's what I found in my life. I have found that my victory over sin goes hand in hand with whether or not I choose to live for other people or myself. If I live my life trying to serve other people and be an offering and be available to God, I literally cannot find the time to choose sin because my life is so captivated by the purpose of pursuing God and loving on people around me. Some of you, you struggle so deeply with sin and it's not because you're so addicted and like biologically wired to those sins, it's because you're so self-centered and you live for yourself. And if all you do all day is think about yourself, no wonder you're continuing to struggle in sin because as long as it's about you, you're gonna find more of you. This is the whole sermon, guys. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't be set free from sin so that you just go do whatever you want all the time. Use your freedom to love and serve people because now it's not meaningless. 
Now you've actually been given the power to love and worship God and been given the ability to reach people for the glory of God. I promise, I'm almost done. Man, if y'all wanna go ahead and come up here, you can go ahead and do that because this is gonna be a quick one today. I wanted to make this one really, really simple. It really comes down to one decision. Who is my life all about? And there's too many believers listening to this message right now who do not understand that the Holy Spirit in your life is held back not by the sins that you keep choosing. The Holy Spirit is being held back by the fact that you oscillate back and forth between life being about God and life being about you. It's sad. I cannot tell you how many people who at one point were so passionate about Jesus now spend more of their days talking about their 401k and the stock market and their financial position and and their career and their kids' college funds than they do how they can use their wealth to glorify God. I cannot tell you how many people I've met who at one point they were so on fire for God And now they've become so flippant morally just because they've gotten so tired of the same come back to Jesus prayer that they do every Sunday. So they just go, I don't even care about it anymore if he's going to forgive me anyway. You know why that is? It's not because you're so addicted to sin. It's because you're so addicted to self. And you haven't actually traded in a life that's lived to pursue your own desires and come back to the heart of worship, which is simple. My whole life laid down on this altar. Spirit, fill me. I don't want to live for myself. And here's the greatest freedom of all. The greatest freedom of all is called self-forgetfulness. Yes, I'm stealing that from a Tim Keller book. That's okay if you laugh at that. (laughs) It's called the freedom of self-forgetfulness. And when I was trying to summarize Christian freedom coming into this message. I wrote this line down and I think it's gonna speak to you so powerfully. Here's my whole message. The freedom to live for Jesus is the choice to forget yourself. The freedom to live for Jesus is the choice to forget yourself. Look at somebody next to you and say, forget you. Forget you. You can do it, I know it's uncomfortable. Self-forgetfulness, I, love, I hope some of you are doing it because nobody in this room did it. Self-forgetfulness is the ultimate freedom. When Jesus invited his disciples, the invitation was this, deny yourself. That is not because Jesus wanted followers who are constantly like, no, don't say yes to the flesh. Don't do what you want to do, don't. That was because Jesus knew the ultimate bondage and slavery that you and I have in our lives is us. And if you can get you out of the way, if your pursuit every day is not, how do I fulfill these desires? And how do I accumulate stuff? And how do I make myself more known? And how do I make myself more healthy? If you trade in that desire for, God, I'm available. If I'm sick, if I'm well, if I got money, if I'm broke, if things are going well and people speak good of me, or if everybody's hating on me and lying about me, I don't care because I don't exist for me. Do you know how freeing it is to live like that? Do you know true Christian freedom is when you go, I don't live for them anymore. I live for you. You can have my life, Lord. And this is what's going to end all of those individual battles against the slavery of sin. This is what you need. You need freedom from living for you every day. You need a structure to your daily life that looks like worship of God and service to people. And I've only tasted this in part in my own life, but I know the best me that other people know and the best me that I've ever seen is the me 
who's not so self-centered. It's the me who doesn't even think about myself. It's the me who goes, I'm not here so that my wife can meet my needs. I'm here to overflow in serving her. It's the one who's here to go, my kids don't exist to give me a good life of enjoyment because they're so dang cute. It's me who goes, I learn more about God in serving my girls, even when they're at their worst, because it reminds me how much my God loves me. And we need more people like this at ACC. I thought about not sharing this, but I'm being so real today. I'm just going to share it. We've, we've gained a lot of people who are watching our church since COVID started. But we've also lost a lot of people. And I don't really say that as a bad thing. God leads people wherever he leads them. But when does following Jesus transition from the space that you go to to have your needs met to following Jesus being the one and only opportunity we have to pour it all out and lay it on the line for other people? That's the type of people we want at Auburn Community Church. That's the type of church we want to invite you into. No, we won't always meet all your needs. No, we do have a lot of people to care for, and it won't always feel like that close-knit, everybody knows my name. But here's the thing, even if I don't know your name, you can know 12 names, and you can spend your life loving and serving other people. And what if we just had a group of people who weren't walking around going, yeah, I'm struggling with this, I'm trying to do less of this. What if we just had a group of people who were so set on fire for the glory of God that they're going, I just wanna burn with passion to love God and love people. And so yes, I'm gonna make disciples. Yes, I'm gonna lead Bible studies. Yes, I'm gonna open my home. Yes, I'm gonna make myself available to serve in the church that I called home. What if that was the victory God wanted to give you in your life individually? That's the type of church I want to be a part of. And maybe the Holy Spirit is just waiting for that to happen, to blow that fresh wind and to give life to your soul. I hope this is helpful. We're going to sing an old song. It's one of my favorite songs because it talks about how weak we are, but how strong the Holy Spirit is. And when I invite you to pray in just one second, I just want you to turn in your weakness for God's strength. I want you to turn in the flesh that you have chosen for the spirit of God to come and fill you on the in, from the inside out. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes in this moment? Let's have a moment together. Right where you are in this moment, you know where you are in your relationship with God. But I wanna honor the stories of people who have come to know Jesus through our online gathering. If you have never stepped into a relationship with God before, the Holy Spirit can come and fill your heart and life right now. All you gotta do is make yourself available. Would you pray this simple prayer? Would you just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died, I believe you rose. I know that I've sinned against you, but I wanna commit my life to following you. If your heart is in that prayer right now, this is your moment. You are filled with the spirit of God by grace through faith. But for so many others, that's not the step for today. For so many others, it's about putting on the altar once again all of the desires that we've taken back up in our flesh. So if it's finances, lay it down. If it's your control of the future, if it's your family, if it's just having physical desires met, if it's health, would you just tell God right now, God, I've chosen this over you. I've chosen this in the flesh. Heavenly Father, I thank you that when we are weak, your spirit is so strong. I pray in Jesus' name that as this gathering collides with real people, 
that people would not just simply encounter a video, but they would encounter an opportunity to step into the life you've been dreaming about for them. God, I believe we've been freed to live and freed to love and that this is the vision you had in mind for our lives when you sent Jesus. God, I pray that we would not be a church that waits until we get to heaven to step into the fullness of life. I pray for abundant life right here and right now in Auburn, Alabama and all over the world that your kingdom would go out by your spirit, not by our strength or might, but by your spirit, God. We surrender. We are yours. We lay it all down, all the stuff that we've chosen, all of the things of our flesh, and we say, we don't need it to work out to be available. We don't need to be healthy to be available. We don't need to be rich to be available. We just need Jesus. So it's in Jesus' name I pray, and in Jesus' name we sing today. Come on, church, would you stand up and finish this gathering by singing this song with us? Come on, let's lift this up in faith.